Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Now, I've been seeing a lot of new faces, which we absolutely love and enjoy. And if you've decided to make Life West home, let us know. Um, we'd love to know. Don't just come in and out. And then don't just come and warm a seat, but jump in. This is your personal invitation. I'm asking you, I'm inviting you to come and to be a part. Not just a spectator, but it's much, much more fun when you get to be a part. And you can do that by talking to me, by stopping by the Make a Difference table, but we'd love to have you. We have a lot of fun together. And this week, we're continuing to talk about traps. And uh, so I've got another one up here today. And this one is a little bit different. Some of you know exactly, exactly what this is, but this is a trap. It's actually, it's a snare. And how this one works is you kind of anchor this down to something, maybe tie it, depending on how you're going to set it up, but you're going to find a runway where a rabbit or something is going to come through, and you're going to kind of hide it, and then you're going to make this loop about as big as the animal's head. But the idea is that the animal goes through, it catches on their body, and then they can't get away. And in fact, the harder they pull, the, the tighter it gets to a point. It's got a little stop here. To, but it kind of holds them there until you can come. And it's a trap. And trap is, traps really aren't nice. That's why we're talking about traps. We're talking about the traps the devil sets for us, and they're not nice. I think this one... I picked this one for this week because the more you wiggle with this one, the tighter it gets. Some of the other traps that we use, they set off, and when they're, when, when, when they're set off, that's that. This one, not so. It's a little different. And we're talking about traps that the devil sets because 2 Corinthians 2.11 tells us, so that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. And we want to be familiar with his traps, with what he uses when he's trying to get us. And this is a trap. Now, let me ask you a question. Raise your hand if you've ever heard somebody say this or something really close to it. They just got in with the wrong crowd. Anybody ever heard? Okay, that, that's pretty much most of you. You're like, yep, I heard somebody say something along those lines. See, I think a lot of us recognize the fact that friends, like there are a few things that have the ability to either launch us forward or hold us back as the friends that we choose to keep. For sure, for sure. And But I think this is definitely one of the traps that the devil uses. It says this in 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. It is a trap. And the trap is not that you have friends, but that we assume that some of these friends that we're keeping don't affect us. That we assume, no, 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 it's, it's, it's just them. But here's what it says in Proverbs 13, 20. It says, he who walks with the wise grows wiser still, but a companion of fools suffers harm. And, and I feel like we, we see this a lot, and I think every parent in here knows 
when it comes to kids or teens, you're like, yes, absolutely. They really need to be so careful with their friends and, and who they're hanging out with, and it makes such a difference. You know, Sally comes home, and I know exactly who she was hanging out with by the attitude that she has, and we tell them, like, you, know, you got to be careful picking your friends. But here's the thing. That's so true, but it's not a teen issue. It's a spiritual law. And I like the way it says it in the NLT, what we already read in 1 Corinthians. It says this in verse 33. Do not be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. It's like, don't be fooled that, that it is not going to affect you. It's not going to affect you. Now, I heard somebody say this, and I just, I, I just love it. It's not mine. I wish it was. This is the third time I've, second time I've said it. The third time I get to just pretend that I said it. But I heard somebody say, he said, you can lose with a winning team, but you can't win with a losing team. And what we're talking about today is who's on your team? Who is on your team? Because I want you to be and do all that God has for you. But depending on who you have in your life, that might never happen because of who you have in your life. So let me just ask, who are the people that are on your team? Who do you have in your life? Do you have a bunch of gossips? Do you have a bunch of people who'd rather talk about people than to people, that they're selfish, full, full of hate and unforgiving and whiners and complaining and glass half empty always? Now, now don't get me wrong. We need people, and I hope you have people that are in your life that are far from God. But that's different. We need people in our life that we're showing God's love to. But that's not, that's not on my team. That's different. So I hope you have those. But they cannot be the people that are on your team. The people that you rely on spiritually. The people that are challenging you to be and do all that God has for you. The people that you go to and say, hey, I have a question about this. And, and they... Because they're not going the same place. They don't have the same goals that you and I do. In sports, the people that are going towards a different goal, they're opponents. But so often in life, we want to have people that are close to us, and maybe because we've been friends forever, or they just have always been there, but honestly, we have different goals. We don't have the same goals. And then yet we let their opinion weigh so heavenly, heavily on us in spiritual matters or in matters of finance that they don't understand. And you're like, no, I, I seek first the kingdom of God. And yeah, we tithe. Well, you shouldn't be doing that. Why would you do that? And they don't need your money. And, blah, 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 blah. and you're like, yeah, well, I, don't, I don't know. We need, to, we need people who, are, who can challenge us and say, no, this is what we do. This is what the word of God says. And let's follow through. Let's do that. So we're talking about people who are on our team, people who have access, people who we lean on. When I went to Bible college, I went to Ramah Bible College down in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I wasn't quite ready for something. Right when I got there, something I did not realize was a part of, of, of that particular Bible college culture was you call everybody your brother and sister. And to me, that was a little weird. That I, I, I just wasn't expecting that. And so the first few times that people would come up to me like, hey, brother, I'd be like, I'm not your brother. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm, I am not your brother. And uh, 
They're like, oh, okay, okay. And they, they got offended, and I probably overreacted just a little bit. And my actual brother asked me, because he, he was a roommate of mine in Bible college. I roomated with my older brother and then Brian Cruzel. So it was the three of us. But my actual brother's like, why is that such a big deal to you? I'm like, why does that bother you? And I'm like, it bothers me because you have access that they do not have. You, I ask your opinion, you can speak into my life. I'm like, they, they don't get that. I don't know them that well. They don't get to just come up and be like, hey, brother, and speak into my life and tell me things. And stuff. I'm like, no. And he's like, well, just get over it. <laughs> I'm like, okay, it's just a title. We, we, we can get over this. We can get beyond it. But we need to look at who is on our team, who we're giving access to, who are our close friends, and say, okay, do they have the same goals that I do? If my goal is to seek first the kingdom of God, if part of our vision for our family is to build the local church, we said this is what we will do. No matter what we're doing, no matter where we are, no matter who employs us, we will build the local church. Because Jesus says in the Bible, Jesus says, I'll build the church. And if he's going to be building it, that's what I want to be doing. I want to be at the forefront of what God's doing. We're going to build the local church. This is our family vision. This is what we are going to do. The next thing that we're going to do is we're going to have a God-honoring marriage that shows what marriage can be and what it's supposed to be. Because I believe marriage is a pendulum of potential. It can be the closest thing to heaven that you experience on earth. But that pendulum swings the other way, which means it can be the closest thing to hell that you experience on earth. It can be either. And we said we are, we are going to make sure that our marriage is the very best that we can possibly have. We're, we're going to find people who have better marriages than us, and we're going to ask them how they do it. We're going to have a great marriage. We're going to put in the effort, and, and we're going to fight if we need to fight. We're going to fight to make it great. Like, this is what we are going to do. And we're going to raise godly kids. We're going to just be an example to them, and we're going to raise kids that love God and that just enjoy life. Those are the three things that we were like, this is what we're going to do. So we're going to find friends that have those same goals, whose goals, we want to be around people who have those same goals and we're going to build that up and help us and challenge us. Find people that can do that and have those people be on your team. But if we have people in our lives that are not, they're, they're, they're in our close, they're on our team, and they do not have the same goals, we gotta cut them off. Can I be friends with everybody? Good question, no. <laughs> no. We can be acquaintances, and absolutely, I wanna say it over and over, I hope you have people in your life that are far from God, that you are reaching out to. But they cannot be the close confidence, confidants that you go to with your life issues and you spill and I need help with this. We need people who are gonna build us up and encourage us to be and do all that God has for us. And it can be awkward. It can be so awkward. One of those awkward times for me was in Bible college. I moved down there. I told you I was living with my brother and uh, Brian Cruzel. And we're just a whole new state. So getting down there and getting to know some people, and I get invited to this bonfire, and I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll go. So I jump in another student's car, and, and off we go. And we get about an hour out of town headed to wherever this bonfire is, and he and a couple of the other people in the car begin to talk about what they're going to do at the bonfire. And I'm like, you're going to do what? It was just, it was, it was stupid, not good stuff, okay? And I'm like, you're going to do what? And it, I must have had a, facial, a, a disapproving facial expression because the driver of the car looks over at me and he goes, 
you're not going to be like a wet blanket this whole, like, about all this, are you? And I'm like, yes, definitely. I'm definitely not going to be involved in that. I'm definitely not going to do it. He's like, are you serious? I'm like, yes. And it was awkward. It was really, really awkward tension, like that cut it with a knife quiet in the car. And there's other people in the car. And I'm, I'm young. I'm 18 years old. And it's just, yeah, I'd like some friends, but I'm like, this is weird, and I'm thinking to myself, what are you doing in Bible college and then wanting to go do these stupid things? And he's like, well, then I think we should just take you home. And I'm like, please do. That would be great. And so he turned around, and we had that super awkward, awkward, quiet, don't say a word, the whole hour ride back to my apartment where he dropped me off. I know about awkward. I really, really, really do. Um, I definitely do. Lots more stories. Okay, one more. Another super, super awkward one was I grew up and I was, my dad was a pastor and there's that. But (laughs) I remember one time in particular, we showed up at a party, which a party is where you go and you hang out and you have lots of fun and you play games. Well, I show up and the minute I walk into these, um, one of my friend's barn outside their house, everybody goes like this. And then the friend that brought me, somebody goes, what'd you bring him here for? And I'm like, hi, let's have fun. Like, what's going on? And um, then they're like, hey, somebody else says something to my friend, and somebody else says something to my friend, and then we leave. Because... They all wanted to be doing some stuff that they knew that I wouldn't be taking part of. I know about awkward. I know about people like not inviting you places for the young people in here because they know that they don't even want you there because they think you'll get in trouble or whatever and they know that you don't take part of that stuff. I know it can be extremely awkward. But here's the thing. Good friends are so great. It's so worth it. Great relationships are great, but we have to cut off the ones that are not good. And if you're married, if you're married, your spouse has veto power over your friends. If you're married, here's what the Bible says when it comes to us being married. Mark 10, 8, it says, and the two shall become one. First of all, it doesn't say half, half become a whole because you're whole because of your union with Christ, not because of this other person. But the two become one. Not one flesh, not two, but they become one. They are no longer two, but one. So your relationships have a profound effect on your spouse and who you pick. So my friends, Becca has to approve of my friends. And if she comes to me and says, I don't really like you hanging out with that Jason guy. He's just, he's not in here so we can talk bad. He's doing growth track right now. He can't even defend himself. But if she just says, you know what, I just noticed this and, and kind of what's going on and, and you, I don't, I don't approve of that relationship, then guess what? We might have a conversation of, okay, what, what is it? Is it me? Are, are you sure? Because I don't see it. But if she says, no, I see this and that relationship needs cut off, then buy Jason. Now, that might hurt his feelings, 
And yes, we are great friends, but if she says, I see this being bad and negatively affecting us, then that's done. That relationship is cut off, it's over. When you get married, the two become one. When we look for friends, we want friends that she, I want friends that she approves of and that she gets along with their, with their spouse and, and that we can, we can have a group of people that we can get together with. But when you get married, you give up that right. You become co-owner of everything, and that includes your relationships. You give up the right to be like, no, I'm just gonna go out with these guys. I'm gonna do my own thing. I'm gonna go out with these girls, and we just do this, and, and you come home, and no. You, you give that up. Several years ago, a long time ago, Becca had a friend, and she would come back from spending time with this friend, and she would have an attitude, okay? Um, <laughs> just her attitude was different when she came back towards me, um, towards men in general, um, towards God. It, it wasn't good. It, it was not good. And um, Becca is very, very compassionate. And what you feel, she feels. Like, like I... She, she's just like that, okay? <laughs> and, and she'd have these conversations with this, with this woman and would come home with like not just feeling for her but carrying some of the hurts and some of the dis, dysfunction that this person had. And, and so finally, it had been a while, but I, I went to her and I'm like, hey, um, this is having an effect on you? And she says, I don't think it is. I'm like, I see it. I, I think it is. It, it's really, it's plain to me. And how many, you know, we can see the issues that other people have so easy, right? You're like, I can solve their, your problems in five minutes. Like, I know what they are. Here's what they are. But our own, we're so blind to it. You maybe have heard the saying, my face, I do not mind it, for I am behind it. It's the folks out front that get a jar. Our, our own issues, we, we're blind to them because we wear them. They're ours. And they can be so hard to see. But I said to Becca, I'm like, no, really. I, I, I know you're close to this person. And she's like, what are you saying? And I'm like, I'm saying, I'm asking you. Obviously, I can't control you. I can't tell you what to do. But I'm asking you to, to, to break this off. I'm asking you to honor me and my opinion in this more than your relationship with this person. And she's like, well, it's going to hurt her. And I'm like, yeah, it probably will. But I'm asking you to not be friends with her. And she's like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> And we're going to lay out, we're not going to do this. And it was sometime later, three, maybe six months, that Becca was like, you know what? Looking back, she says, I see it now. And looking back at some of the other people in that person's life, I see how they, she is having that effect on them. It is toxic. And I know it cannot, it's not always fun to have somebody else tell you something but when you get married, if you are married, then your spouse, your spouse has a say when it comes to your relationships. They have veto power when it comes to your relationships. Now, there's other people that she hangs out with that I absolutely love. And it was around the same time period. I'm like, go spend time with this person. I don't know what it is, but she, whenever you come home from spending time with her, you think I'm the greatest. So maybe her husband is just like a dork. I'm not sure. But it may, you, you come home, I, I, like, it's totally different. Completely, completely different. But when it comes to relationships, 
when it comes to relationships, when it comes to friends, the people who are on our team, and I want you to hear this, please, please hear this. We need people in our lives that are far from God. But those are not the people who are on our team. Our close friends, our close friends have the same goals and are moving towards God and helping us to be and do all that God has called us to be and all that God has called us to do. Good friends are awesome. I mean, think about this for just a minute. If you are in prison, how do they punish you? You're already in prison. They move you to solitary confinement because relationships are so important. We, 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 we need other people. So much we need other people. But to have these great friends, where do we get them? How do we find them? What do we do? Well, if I want to find, make friends that mountain bike, guess what I'm not going to go do? I'm not going to go hang out at Sprinkles Donuts because I'm probably not going to find them there. But if I go mountain biking, I probably will. If I want to find some friends who, whatever it is, water ski, I'm going to need to go to the lake. Probably going to help. Or maybe the ski store or something. And if you want to find people and you want people in your life who are seeking God first and can help you to be and do all that God has for you, as the Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so two men sharpen another, that they sharpen you and help you to be what you have, then where do you think those people are going to be? It's not a trick question. Church, where you are right now is a great place to be. It is a great place to be. But more than that, engage in that environment. Engage. Get in a small group. Try one out. Jump online, lifewest.church. Go to the groups and see if there's one there that you want to just try out. Maybe you try one, you're like, this didn't work. That's okay. Try another one. But get in a group. Or maybe join the dream team. And just get around some other people who are seeking God and help set some stuff up or tear some things down or, or join the worship team or, or something, but get around some other people who are seeking God first and making God a priority in your life. Make it a priority. Now, it takes time to build friends and relationships. Well, it does for me. Um, Becca's a little bit different. Uh, I don't know if you've met her yet, but she could go for a walk in the middle of the Sahara Desert and come back with five new friends. She's like, oh, look at who I met, this is great. You're like, where, how, like what in the world? Like everywhere we go, she's making friends and, and she knows most people there. And it's, it's, it's nuts, it's, it's really fun unless we're on a date. And then I'm like, please, look at me. Like we go on a date and I sit against the wall. I'm like, give me a seat with my back against the wall so she can face me. Okay, no door anywhere around because she's going to be like, oh, I know them and what are they doing? Or, oh, I'd like to be their friend. They look like that's just, that's, that's her. And those are words that have come out of her mouth. But it does for most of us. It does. It, it takes time. It takes energy. It takes effort. But the return on your investment when it comes to relationships is so good. It's so good. Because here's what I know. There, there will be a time where you need somebody else, where you need some help, where you have questions and you're like, I, I need some, some wisdom on this or the situation, how to deal with it, or I got myself in something and I can't seem to get myself out, where you're going to need great friends who can come along and say, hey, I'm here, let me help you with this. Oh, 
Okay, now that you're asking, here's what we can do. And here, let me help you. You are going to need that. I know that. And I know that God's call on your life is too big for you to do by yourself. And you're going to need people to come alongside because we can do so much more together than we can apart. But the other thing when it comes to relationships that I really think is very, very true, and it's a trap that we get into, is this, is, this, is we surround ourselves with great people, but we don't tap into their potential. We don't tap into their wisdom. We don't tap into anything. There's wonderful people that are around us but we have not opened up, we haven't asked questions, we really haven't done any of that. And I wanna ask like, what do you think you're missing from the friends that you have? But if you're missing it, you probably don't know it because you're missing it. It's kinda like, when I was learning to spell growing up, which maybe this is why I'm not the best speller in the world, was I was homeschooled and my mom would say this, oh, you don't know how to spell that? Look it up in the dictionary. Anybody's mom or teacher ever tell you that? Like, oh, you don't want to spell it? Look it up in the dictionary. It doesn't work because I don't know how to spell it. If I did, I would know and I wouldn't even need to look it up in the dictionary. Like, my spelling is so far off. It's like not in the vicinity of, oh, is it I or E? No, it's gone. It's like wrong planet. I, I can't find it in the dictionary without it. Spell check. Spell check on the computer. Oh, my goodness. You just right-click, it's like, no suggestions, because I have to try like 10 times before it can figure it out. Okay, so try to find it in the dictionary when I was 13 was not happening, like, at all. Okay, and I'm a much better speller today than I was then. So when I look at the, some of you are really quick listeners, wow. But these relationships that we have, they, they take time. And then some of these relationships, we have wonderful people around us, but we are missing so much because we have not asked. We have not pursued them in that way. Mark 6, verse 1. Jesus, it says this. Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. So where is he? He's in his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogues, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? So they're amazed, and they're like, wow, he's got wisdom, he's performing miracles. They're like, whoa. Then verse three happens. Then they scoffed. Well, why are they scoffing? That doesn't make sense. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And aren't his sisters here among us? And they were deeply offended and refused to believe him. Then Jesus said, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown, among his own relatives, and his own family. I wonder how many people, how many of your friends, people that you have around you, we overlook because we'll, we are familiar with them. Jesus came to his hometown, and because they knew him, they wanted nothing to do with what he said. They said, he has wisdom and power, this is amazing, but we know you, so we want nothing to do with it. And I wonder if some of the answers that we are not looking for, that you are looking for right now, are not so easily found in some of the people that you have in your life already, but you refuse to ask. 
because you're familiar. Or because, even worse, you're related to them. Right? In-laws. You know the difference between in-laws and outlaws? Outlaws are wanted. Okay, so... (laughs) But we look at that and we think... I've told my in-laws that joke. My father-in-law thinks it's funny. But anyways... (laughs) He says the same thing's true about son-in-laws, but anyway. <laughs> but do we overlook and we don't even ask people because, and there's, there's all this wisdom around us, but we haven't tapped into it because we just haven't asked because it's an in-law, because it's our parents, because it's people who are close to, because it's somebody that we've known, because we are familiar. And truth be told, if a stranger walked up to us and said the exact same thing as our brother or sister or in-law or whatever, we would believe it. But because it's from their mouth, we're like, we want nothing to do with it. And I wonder if there's not somebody already in your life. And the last thing that I would ever want is for there to already be that person there, but you don't even see it. It's untapped resource because... We just don't ask because of who it is. I like what Proverbs 20, verse five says. It says, counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding draws it out. I think of it kind of this way, that the wiser somebody is, the more hesitant they are to offer their opinions without being asked, to offer their wisdom without being asked. So I would encourage you to take a look at who's around you Maybe people who you've thought, maybe they are on my team, maybe they're not. Maybe you know they're on your team, but you're like, I've never really asked them before. And maybe it's time for you to say, hey, we spend actually quite a bit of time and you have kind of an inside look at some of my life. Would you tell me if there's some fruit that you see that shouldn't be there? And just ask them. Ask them, say, hey, I would like you to do that. I'm asking you to tell me if you see something that I'm doing that isn't honoring God, a way that I'm treating my wife, a way that I'm treating my girlfriend, a way that I'm doing whatever it is, or the way that I act at work. You know, you're with me at work. If I'm not living the same way that I want to on Sunday, on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, I want you to call me out. Because here's what I know for you to be and do all that God has for you. You need other people around you that can build you up and encourage you, speak life into you so that you can accomplish everything that God has for you. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. He wants you to do that. And part of that is surrounding yourself with great people. But don't get caught in that trap of these people don't affect me because let me tell you, they do. And don't think for a minute, just because we surround ourselves with good people, with quality people, that that's enough. We need to tap into the resource of their knowledge and we need to ask, would you help me in this? Would you speak into my life? Would you? I'm asking you to do this, to help me to be and to do all that God has for me. Help me to be a better dad, a better husband, a better boss, a better employee, whatever. Help me to be that because I want to be a light to those that are around me. And we're gonna, we're gonna pray here in just a minute. We're gonna close. So would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? Before we say goodbye, I wanna make sure that every person in here, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt where you stand with God. In Romans it says that we can know that we have salvation. 
See, it's not maybe you thought, well, when I get to heaven, I, I hope that would be great when I die. I guess I'll just find out what happened and that, that, that's that. Or, or maybe you thought, well, there's probably a, a scale. I'm just really hoping that my good outweighs the bad. But here's what it says. Here's what God's word says in Romans. It says, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, we will be saved. He paid the price that we could not pay so that we could be free. And the way that we receive it is by confessing, saying, God, I'm wrong. I want what you have for me. I accept it. I'm yours in Jesus' name. So if you've never done that before, or if you just say, you know, there was a time I was living for God, but I turned my back on him, and today I'm coming back, I just want to declare I'm his again. If you're either of those, I'd love the honor of praying with you. And what we're going to do is I'm going to ask you to lift your hand, and then you're going to put it down, then right in your seat, we're all going to pray together. And when we say amen, you can know right where you stand with God and begin to walk out the purpose and plan that he has for you. So if that's you, then get ready, one, two, three, shoot your hand up high and say, today I'm coming back, or this is my first, lift it up high. Awesome, anybody else, lift it up high. All the way, okay. Here's what I'd like you to do. Go ahead and put your hand down. Then everybody in here, just repeat after me if you would. And you that lifted your hand, you make these words your own as you repeat after me. Let's all pray together. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. From now on, I'm yours. Forgive me for the wrong I've done. Thank you for dying on the cross, for shedding your blood so I could be free. From now on, I'm yours. With all that I am, I'm going to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.